Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome uh, to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and um, this is going to be episode 58 of The Informed Catholic. And today we're going to do the um, the readings for the most holy body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, Corpus Christi. So... Um, we're going to do that, but also we're going to focus, like I said, I want to focus on catechesis. I really do want to focus on that because I believe that's important for us as Catholics because a lot of us don't, um, you know, we don't have faith. We don't, you know, we lost, we lost understanding of what our Catholic faith is. So, um, usually I begin with the liturgical, um, like the act of penance and the cutie and the gloria. Um, well, let's, let's do this, but I'm, I'm, I know we all know this and I, you're probably used to this format, but I'm going to do it, uh, today. And, uh, because I really want to focus on catechesis and I want to spend as much time on catechesis as possible. But since today is the, uh, for the feast of the Holy Eucharist, we'll, We'll focus on this. We'll we'll start with the act of penance. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. And uh, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We, pr we praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. So, um, for this, we have like three cycle readings and, um, I'm going to take a bet that because of the, the way the Novus Ordo is structured, that the priest is most likely going to play DJ and is going to pick whatever reading he's comfortable with. Uh, most likely he'll probably pick out the, ch the, the shortest one. Uh, you know, because it's faster and I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, our, um, our, our clergy today, these days, especially some bishops are probably going to rush off and play golf. <laughs> you know, it, it's the, it's the usual shtick of the whole thing. All right. Well, you know what? 
I am going to go to the to the one that I believe uh, you see because this one is has a um, is from Genesis. This is uh, Abraham's encounter with Melchizedek, this mysterious figure who is going to appear again in the um, Psalm 110. So let's begin. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 to 20. Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. And the name Melchizedek means king of Salem. Melech. And, and most likely this is probably a Canaanite. Uh, Melech Zedek. Um, probably that was like a, a, you know, because the, um, the inhabitants of the Holy Land were not, uh, were different uh Semitic people, Semitic nation. So let's begin. In in those days, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And being a priest of God Most High, he blessed Abram with these words. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your foes into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Okay. So this Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine. He didn't come with a, 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 a red heifer. He didn't come with lambs or goats. He came out with bread and wine. And according to um, beliefs by theologians, especially by the rabbinic sages, that the original sacrifice in the Garden of Eden by the first high priest that God appointed, which was Adam, our, the father of the entire human race, Adam and Eve brought the gifts, the fruits of the, of the creation. Bread and wine. This was the sacrifice, the original sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. When they committed the sin, after they were tempted by the serpent, the, the, that particular sacrifice was lost. Not, you know, in other words, it was replaced by a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin. The sacrifice that Adam and Eve made or the Thanksgiving sacrifice. Technically, it wasn't, you can say it wasn't a sacrifice of sin because they didn't fall. They brought bread and wine as Thanksgiving. And that's what the word Eucharist means. It means Thanksgiving in Greek. So Salem comes along. I mean, I mean, I'm um, sorry, uh, Melchizedek comes along. And why, why this encounter? Why did he have this deed to come meet Abraham? Some believe that maybe this was um, a a priestly setup uh, after the flood, and it was set up by Noah and his sons, and maybe one of them, this one could have been maybe a descendant of Noah. Some mystics in the Catholic Church believe that Melchizedek was probably Jesus. We don't know. It's a theory. Himself in a, like a appearance of God appearing to uh, Abram, but 
whatever it was, this high priest, he, that's, that's what he was. He was a high priest. He came and he anointed Abraham. He anointed him, um, blessed him. Because by blessing him, it was another way of saying anointed him. He passed the high priesthood to Abraham and his descendants. Abraham then blessed, anointed I, um, Isaac. Isaac then blessed and anointed Jacob. Jacob himself then blessed and anointed his sons. And he gave each one, each one of his 12 sons, a mission. Levi was the, high, was the one who would receive the high priesthood to minister to all his other brethren. Later on, out of Levi, you had Aaron. And God gave Moses the grace to bless and anoint Aaron as high priest to represent the people. So this is why it was so important, this encounter with Abram, who later on becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. This... In this importance to represent the people in this litur uh, the liturgy to a thanksgiving, a worship, is a spiritual, is something that is important. It's, it keeps the spiritual balance. It, it, it gives thanksgiving to God, the creator of the universe. It makes, um, you know, it atones for the people's sins, humanity's sins, not just the sins of Israel, but the Jews believe that it represented the whole world. And that's this is this is what's important. Then later on, our Lord comes along, and He is the true High Priest. And yes, His encounter with John the Baptist, who was a descendant of Aaron, in a sense, John took off the sandals of his feet, and untied the sandals of Jesus' feet, and passed down the uh, surrendered the high priest high priesthood to to our Lord. He must increase while I decrease. That's what some um, theologians believe, and some mystic believe. This is this is why this is why John had to step out of the picture, and that John was the legitimate descendant of Aaron, the line of Aaron, and John was celibate, and the line of Aaron ended with him, legally. So that's uh, this is this is one um, interpretation you can. Uh, if you like, look into it more yourselves. Now, Psalm 110. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. You see, he appears in 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right, and I will make your enemies your footstool. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Yours is princely power in the days of your birth, in the holy in holy splendor, before the day star like the dew I have begotten you. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn and, sworn and he will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek, according to the order of Melchizedek. The word order in Arabic, uh, I found out, 
Uh, it's a word we use very commonly, tarik, which means um, path, uh, practice, uh, road to walk. It actually has a lot of meaning to it. Uh, basically, yeah, tarik, tarik or tarik is a straight and narrow line. Uh, that a discipline, right? And and also, it's basically it, uh, also it means like uh, a road leading to a target, a star. And it's also for 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 the um, in 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 theological language, especially like I know it's. Uh, for the Muslims, they use the word referring to a practice, a, a path to follow, which also represents a spiritual order. And technically, the line of Melchizedek is a road, a path. And often for the Jews, it also means a door that you have to keep walking through, which the high priest, what does he do? He goes through the curtain. He goes through the curtain. He has to enter the Holy of Holies to represent the people and stand before God. So there's another word that people use. Uh, it's a common uh, dialectic word, uh, you know, the dialect. Shara. Uh, pathway. That's another way they use it. Uh, a pathway. And usually in a pathway... They mean also, like sometimes in pathways, you meet uh, a road a road crossing. So you have to choose a particular road crossing. You have to choose the right way, right or the left, or walk straight and go to the you know follow the tariq, which is basically a, a you know a pathway, you know straight to the narrow, the target way, the right way basically. So it's interesting how these words, and you know, even though English is not a religious language, but you got to focus on it, right? All right. So you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You'll see this line and it's often, it's not recorded here for some reason, but in the letter to the Hebrews, it's quoted. And I wonder if, if this is you might get it in, uh, yes. Here it's uh, for year B. So I'm going to read year B first. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 15. Okay, the blood of Christ will cleanse our conscience. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come to, pa to be, passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not belonging to this creation, he entered once for all into the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption for the, for the blood of goats and bulls, and, and the sprinkling of heifers, ashes can sanct, uh, can sanctify those who are defiled, so th that their flesh is cleansed. How much more will be the blood of Christ, who through the eternal sp eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, uh, to God, cleanse our 
our conscience from dead works to worship the living God. For this reason, he is mediator of a new covenant, since a death has taken place for deliverance from transgressions under the first covenant. Those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So I didn't quote the passage uh, that I was hoping, which is, uh, you are after, you are of the order of Melchizedek, which it quotes that passage in Hebrews, which is kind of a, a little disappointment here. Uh, let me look it up. Hold on. It's Hebrews chapter 5, so I'll read it to you. Every high priest is taken from among men to represent them in their dealings with God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal patiently with those who are ignorant and misguided since he himself is subject to weakness. And as a result of this, he must make sin offerings for himself as well as for the people. Moreover, one does not assume this position of honor of honor on his own initiative, but only when is when called by God, just as Aaron was. Even Christ did not confer upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Rather, he was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During the course of his earthly life, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who had the power to save him from death. And he was, he, he was heard because of his godly fear. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through his sufferings. And when he had been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was des designated as high priest by God, according to the order of Melchizedek. So this is why I, you know, honestly, I don't know why they didn't pick this passage. It, it made sense, I think, to read this. And, you know, this says a lot in a sense of, of the Eucharist. Now, Jesus, of course, when it says made perfect, he means in a sense that he, through the bitter merits of Christ, through his willingness, willingness in his humanity, he was perfect already. He didn't need to be perfect, but he willingly, when he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan, and notice like in the passage, it always says after everyone else was baptized, Jesus stepped into the water. John was surprised by this and said, you come to me for baptism. It is I who should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, let it be so that all men would know that righteousness must be, must be accomplished. And then John consented and Jesus went into the water and came out of the water. Now what happened there, according to some, some mystics is that Jesus took upon himself all the sins of humanity. And what happened? He went into the water and came out of the water and because he himself had no sin, but the heavens were ripped apart 
And the Spirit of the Lord came down upon him, the Holy Spirit, and anointed him. You are my son. In you I am well pleased. Well, now we know that by declaration of son, he, he was basically declared king. A peace. He is the true Melchizedek. The true high priest. And so we see that Jesus himself chose to willingly to to surrender himself to the will of the Father. And what happened afterward? He had to go out of the desert for 40 days to be tested. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, a beautiful uh, event. All right, so now here, a Eucharistic reading from Paul in year in the third cycle. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. For as often as you eat and drink, you proclaim the death of the Lord. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, that it is for you. Do this, do this in, remembrance, in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, the cup, or as it should be said, chalice, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. All right. So here we have the high priestly liturgy of Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus. That's once and for all. All right. This sacrifice is eternal. It is not just, it is not just a meal. It is a, it is a sacrifice. It is, yes, a memorial, but it's also a sacrifice. It's not, you're not killing Jesus again. This is the sacrifice of Christ. Christ is always interceding. He's, oh, he's offering himself. Remember, when he resurrected, his wounds were still there. His wounds in his hands and feet and his side because he is still intercessor. He's still interceding for, for a generation not yet born, but it is the one and true sacrifice. He's not getting crucified again. He's not getting nailed to the Christ, to the cross again. He is always offering himself to the Father in the presence of the Father. Okay? This is something that uh, a lot of people, I think, have a hard time understanding. I think because we live in such a modernist society that we... <sighs> We're so cut off, we lost that religious sense, that religious instinct, that I think a lot of people are desperate, which is why they go after the climate, they go after social justice, they go after um, other forms of, of things. They're, they're trying to reconnect spiritually to a world that was taken away from them, to a, a, a realm a mystical realm that is real, but they've been told is not real. Just because you can't prove it by science doesn't mean it's not real. 
you know, doesn't mean that something is not true. The, you know, I mean, think about it. They do everything they can to go into the psychological realm. But Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson and others are discovering that this psychological realm is also a spiritual realm. You know, and this is something we, we have to understand that's true, which is why if you look at it, the Catholic Church actually pretty much guided by the Holy Spirit, we can see this connection with the myst- with the um, the mystical realm and the psychological realm. Look at the, the stations of the cross, right? Jordan Peterson, when he talked about how the Israelites were 430 years in the desert, I mean, 430 years in Egypt, they were abused. And they wanted to go back to their abuser, just like any abuser finds him or herself not um, uh, kind of like they, 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 they're conditioned and they develop a bond with the very person that, that hurts them, that's bad for them. You know, people like a, a drug addict goes back to their addiction. An alcoholic wants to run back to their addiction. An abuser doesn't know any other way to live but under abuse. You can't write this. You can't. You can't make this stuff up. It turns out, religion knows this. Faith knows this, and so when they're in the desert, they begin to abuse themselves. And if that's enough, if that's not enough, they create idols that represent their psychological abuse, their oppressor, their oppression. They become the oppressor. So. When God sent the serpents to punish them, they begged God to take it away. What does he do? He tells Moses to make a bronze serpent, stick it in the ground, and make the people look at it, which is what they do in psycho in, in, in um, as therapy. They make the abuser acknowledge their abuse, to stare at their abuse and overcome their fears and admit what their fears are. The crucifixion is a sign of humanity crucifying themselves crucifying the innocent what are we doing to the young we're 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 abusing them now by by chemical castration by removal of their breasts by destru- by the desecration of their bodies we are crucifying ourselves we're crucifying the young jesus himself was innocent he was young he was betrayed by his best friend. He was persecuted by his religious leaders. He was condemned on trial, innocent. And everybody knew it, right? And then they hand him over to a foreign oppressor who abu- who himself knew that Jesus was innocent. Everybody knew it was wrong. And he, he was telling Joe Rogan, look closely, look deeply. And you'll see yourself. You will see your own crimes against others. This is, you know, exploitation. We talk about, we're so big about sexual exploitation, yet we are performing sexual exploitation. Jesus is the Eucharist. And through this Eucharist, it is the crown of our spiritual therapy. We are, 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 
our spiritual healing. The Eucharist is his body and blood, and it will lead us to, to, to acknowledge this. This is why we have stations of the cross. We go to confession through baptism, which is the doorway, the road, we enter, we have access to the other sacraments. The most important ones, obviously, is Eucharist and confession, last rites and marriage and holy orders. But the Eucharist and confession are the two things that we have a much deeper relationship with. But we need both so that we can grow. And this is why you should always, when you read the scriptures, I think, compare yourself to the passage. Ask yourself, what it, what am I lacking here? And even if the passage is difficult to understand, ask the Holy Spirit to help you gain the virtue or the wisdom and the grace to grow in, to grow in spiritual meaning in that passage. You know, if you find comfort in it and you find that it, it speaks to you, every time you go back and read the Bible, you never come back with the same conclusion. You always find more deeper meaning. This is why scripture is important. The rosary is important. Station of the cross is important. It's therapy to deal with every single day's issues. God walks through with us through this faith. And the Eucharist, it helps us grow. I mean, think about it. Remember that passage when in the film, Gibson's Passion of the Christ. I love the passage with Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus carry his cross. I always relate to Simon of Cyrene more. And he's reluctant, but he has to do it. He was forced to do it. Then as he was carrying him, helping him carry his cross, as they got closer to the exit out of the city gates to Golgotha, the Skull Mountain, there's a scene where Caviezel, as Jesus spins, turns, and is about to fall. Simon and Cyrene is carrying the cross, and he's holding on with the other hand, Caviezel playing Jesus. And he lifts him up, and he says, we're almost there. We're almost there. Look. And he literally is encouraging our Lord He's comforting and encouraging him. They were, oh, we're almost there in the end. Almost there to the man's death. The irony of it. But because the fact is, it was a goal. We all have to carry our crosses and reach that goal. To, to, to reach that goal, to be totally united with, with our Lord. Totally united with God. And every single one of us has to carry our cross. What did he say? Whoever wants to follow me must pick, must deny himself, pick up his cross and deny oneself. All basically picture the road behind you is your, your sins, your spiritual failures, your the things you've times you've broken God's heart and you've broken your your family's heart, you've broken your best friend's heart, you've broken your marriage, you've broken your relationships, all that and each one of them you have to mend. You didn't just go through life just breaking them. Some of them you had to mend and some of them maybe 
you have not mended. But the only the only way is to carry that cross and make it to that top of that mountain and say to God, I surrender finally to you. That's the whole point of the spirit of of, of the spiritual therapy. Don't be afraid of the cross. The devil wants us to be afraid of our cross, but we have to pick it up and we have to do it. All right, let's go on to the gospel. All right, the gospel is from Luke. Um, the Alleluia is from John Gospel, chapter 6, verse 51. Um I am, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 9, verse 11 to 17. They all ate and were satisfied. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to a close, the twelve approached him and said, dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions for we are in a deserted place here he said to them give them some food yourselves they replied five loaves and two fish are all we have unless we ourselves go and buy food for all those for all these people now the men there numbered about 5,000. Then he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups about 50. They did so and made them all sit down. Then taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he set the blessing over them, broke them, gave them to the disciples to set, the, to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the leftovers fragments were picked up, they filled twelve wicker baskets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 9, verse 11 to 17. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to a close, the twelve approached him and said, Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. He said to them, Give them some food yourselves. They replied, Five loaves and two fish are all we have, unless we ourselves go and buy food for all these people. Now the men there numbered about 5,000. Then he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50. They did so and made them all sit down. Then taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the, when the leftover fragments were picked up, they all filled twelve wicker baskets. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
recently on uh, YouTube, um, The Chosen, they um, they just filmed the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Dallas Jenkins and his uh, his cast were, uh, were were working on that, and uh, can't wait to see how how it's uh, you know the final finished cut of it. It's great. It's a great show, and I think it's it's great that we have a show about about the uh, the gospel, about the New Testament, the life of Christ, and it shows to you how God really works in these times. You know, um, it came just the right at the right time with the COVID. It came just at the right time when the shutdown happened, the all the riots, the craziness happening all over, uh, the uncertainty, um, the political upheaval we're going through. And it came just around the right time when all this woke nonsense and, um, you know, political uncertainty and this transgenderism and uh, this, um, the LGBTQ stuff, it shows that God is working. He's going to get the gospel out no matter what. He's going to get the gospel out if if his appointed shepherds like in the catholic church are not going to uh tread um you know into the battlefield you know then he will send those who 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 love him he will send those who who are willing to go into the uh, the valley of the shadow of death. You know, um, this is something that I said before. I believe the Catholic Church should do, and unfortunately, um, <laughs> our shepherds are afraid. They should be producing stuff like this. One time we did. We produced this kind of this kind of stuff. It's it's great and it's beautiful. You know, going back to the Father Peyton Rosary Hour. Anyway, I want to read here from uh, Peter Criff's book, Catholic Christianity. It's about the Eucharist. And this first part here is called uh, Its Importance. The sacraments are the crown of the Catholic faith, and the Eucharist is the crown of the sacraments. Why are the sacraments the crown of the faith? Because the God we believe in, we, the God we believe in the creeds and obey in the commandments, we must receive in the sacraments. Why is the Eucharist the greatest of the sacraments? Because in the blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself. And he quotes here article... Um, of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, thirteen twenty-four. I'll, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he, he, he's going to quote it, but I want to focus on the fact that it's the crown um, of the Catholic faith. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive Him in the Holy Eucharist, in the consecrated host, which is His body and blood. If you you really do believe that it's Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, 
that what you're receiving is the resurrected Jesus Christ, the glorified Jesus Christ, into your body, soul, into your mind and heart, into the very depths of your of of your being. You you receive him fully with an open heart and an and, and, and a true open faith. You are receiving your, your crown of glory. So he is the living God, the Alpha and the Omega. He's feeding you with himself. He's feeding your, your soul with himself. He is uniting himself to us. Intimately, like a marriage, like a husband and wife coming together in union. This is, this is the Eucharist. This is, this is what Holy Communion means. And I'm telling you that we should believe it. When you go to, when we go to communion, When you go to Mass, always be grateful for the life you have, even if it's painful, even if there are things you're going through that are very difficult. Always be grateful, even for the pain, the difficulty, even for the unhappy moments. Because in reality, it is better to be alive and experiencing pain experiencing difficulty because Jesus is carrying that cross with you. God sees you and me. He sees us. He sees us and he knows us. You know, that when I saw the film Father Stu and that image, that scene in the bar, and when he says to to Stu, the, he encountered Jesus, you have a thousand, thousand reasons to be angry. But I'm going to give you one, one reason to be grateful. That stuck with me. That's really, really hit me. It really spoke to me. You know, in many ways, if Stu encountered Christ there in his lowest moment, and then he encountered the Blessed Mother in literally the lowest moment when his body was broken on the road, who knows how many times we encounter Christ and we just didn't know it. We know it. We know we encounter him in Holy Communion, in Mass. But how often throughout the day you and I might have encountered him. He spoke to us and we just didn't hear him. He was present to us and we just weren't aware of it. Because we were too obsessed and feeling sorry for ourselves. This is something that you, we, we need to be aware of. We are alive. We have, you know, if you have a, a mom and dad and friends, be grateful. Be grateful and offer it all up at the consecration, at the altar. And if you're there just for a private moment by yourself and there's no one else, offer every, every ounce of yourself to him who is on the altar in the tabernacle.
Be grateful. Be thankful. If you're angry and you're hurt and you feel let down, offer it up. Offer it up to him. Even if you're alone in your apartment, in your bedroom, you are still united with him through the sacrament of baptism. Offer it up. And this is what, and that's true what, what Peter Crift is saying here. Let's continue uh, a little bit more. You know, this is important that we that you are that we are aware of Jesus' exist, existence. Let's continue this. The Catechism says the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. This is Article thirteen twenty four that he quoted at the first part of the paragraph. Because the Eucharist is both the origin and the end of that supernatural reality, which is the point of everything in the Catholic religion. That reality called by many different names, such as salvation, eternal life, sanctifying grace, the kingdom of God, and the Christian life, consists in participating in the very life of God. I'm going to read that one more time. The Catechism says, The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. This is Catechism of the Catholic Church, Article 1324. Okay, so it's the source and summit of our lives. It is the source and summit of our life. This life is already united in the Trinity. This is, this is me talking here. Our, our life is already united in the Trinity when we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Only a baptized Catholic can receive the sacrament. Now, it's not to say that a priest who is can't minister to a Protestant or an Orthodox Christian, definitely, uh, it's up to the priest and up to this bishop let's say at this moment to give Holy Communion to such a person, they have to believe. Now, of course, this is a different subject matter, but this is the source and summit of our life. We're united and bound intimately. United and bound intimately when it comes to receiving Holy Communion through our baptism. Because the Eucharist is both the origin and the end of the supernatural reality, the origin and the end of the supernatural reality, which is the point of everything in the Catholic religion. That reality is called by many different names, such as salvation. The Eucharist is our salvation. It is the reality. Okay, the supernatural reality it is our salvation. It is our eternal life. Okay? This source and summit of our Christian life, which is the supernatural reality, uh, is our eternal life. It is also our sanctifying grace. It's the life of God in us. And it is the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus preached, repent 
and believe in the gospel for the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God. And it is the Christian life. And it consists in participating in the very life of God. The very life of God. Now think about it. What does it mean? It means the incarnation. Right? It means the incarnation. But it also it means God before the incarnation. But we're, we're participating fully through the body and blood and soul divinity of Jesus Christ. And remember, both he and the Father are one and the same. And what is the love of the Father? It's the Holy Spirit. So we're participating fully in the life of God, in the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. All right. Um, let's continue. All right. So let's continue. The Eucharist is the origin of that because it does... Okay, this is when we stopped at participating in the life of God. So the Eucharist is the origin of that because it does many... It, it does more than merely symbolize it. The Eucharist actually gives us that. It gives us the life of God. It gives us that participation in the life of God. So it's not just a symbol. It's the reality and it gives us that that relationship, that intimate relationship. It's not just an empty symbol. And the Eucharist is the, com the culmination of the Christian life, of man's life in relation to God. Because it is the culmination of God's life in relation to man. At least while we are on this earth, it is both the greatest thing that uh, thing that God does to man and the greatest thing man does to God. The Eucharist is the culmination both of God's action sanctifying the world in Christ and of the worship men offer to Christ and through him to the Father in the Holy Spirit. Catechism of the Catholic Church 1325. So that's uh, the next article after that so it's you know there i don't think there's any complete words one can say but it is the ultimate expression of love it is the most ultimate expression of union it is the ultimate expression of our relationship, of our intimacy with God. It is everything. It unites, he, he, he unites us to him. I mean, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous to a non-believer. It is ridiculous to, to, to an intellect who basically, um, cannot let go of their pride. It's impossible, but it's everything. I mean, to some, it's almost scandalous and ridiculous, but who cares? When ultimately, if all the miracles that the Israelites experienced before they were set free from Egypt, 
even the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire, the destruction of Pharaoh and his armies, um, the manna, the quail, water from the rock. None of that converted them. So therefore, miracles, miracles sometimes won't, won't convert people. Faith does. And I think it takes a soul that really, really needs God, desperately needs God, desperately stands there and can see. Think about it. If one soul can see all this unbelievable stuff that happened in, to the Israelites and all the others simply forget it the next day and starts grumbling and complaining. They don't have any water. They don't have any food. They're hot. They're tired. But this one soul realized, sees the forest from the trees, sees the reality from the grumbling, sees the reality of the, uh, of the events, is aware of it. That one soul is a true miracle. That's the Eucharist right there. Everything else you see doesn't make a difference. You realize God came down and helped you. God came down and rescued you. And even though you're in the desert, you see the reality. Even though you, you know, they're grumbling. You saw the water from the rock. Even though they're grumbling, every morning you got up, you saw the manna there for you. And you saw the quails. So you see, you see it. You're aware that God is active and they're not. There's nothing more to say. Okay, I'm not going to read all 20 articles because obviously... Or else um, it'll take forever for you to, to listen to this podcast. But let's end it. Let's go to um, the Apostles' Creed here. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. And for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right. So, um, please subscribe and share. And um, I'll be back soon. Hopefully, I'll try to do another one. But unfortunately, now um, I'm back to work. So, it's going to be a little difficult trying to put uh, put these podcasts together, but I will try the best I can. So God bless.